Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. Good morning, everybody online. It's good to be back. I want to say thanks to Randy for covering the weeks that I was gone. Um, Also, thanks to Rick, who pulled uh, double duty a few of those days. I think I owe you a bottle of whiskey, Rick. Um, And... And thanks to Gil, who came in and put all the pieces back together, uh, made everything happen. Uh, appreciate all of you guys. And again, thanks for you who are watching and you who are here. Uh, don't forget Jordan. Don't forget Jordan. No, jo- Jordan, I was with him. He was here that one day, but he, I traveled with him for a while. I uh, enjoyed his company. Um, you might be wondering why there's no music. I'll tell you why. Uh, Brianna tested positive for COVID, and she's feeling fine, doing okay. Uh, Randy tested negative, but he's living in the same house, and so he told him, just stay there, take it easy. Um, He had asked a few people if they would be able to come and do the music. No one was able to do it. And so we're just going to go without the music this morning. Uh, It's okay. It's been different anyway, just coming back. And so I figured, yeah, this is a good time to just kind of step into the difference. Uh, A few things we want to announce. Uh, Last Thursday's Women's Book Club was closed because uh, Brianna had COVID. Um, I think they are planning this Thursday. It all depends on her and how she's feeling and how she tests. So we will let you know, ladies, if you're a part of the book club, uh, you'll get a message letting you know if it's on or off. Um, But we do have the Art for Artists, which is the second uh, Tuesday, which is the 14th. And then we have the Philosophy and Critical Thinking, which is the third Tuesday. The dates are different, though. Um, Then what you're seeing there, that will be actually on the 21st. So those things are there. There's the women's thing. It's okay. Better, Better late than never, Rick. It's okay. We're good. Anyway, those things are happening, just so you guys know. Um what's happening there. Now, I have been away. I was in Ireland, and I was a part of kind of a philosophy, psychoanalytical, theological circus. I don't know how else to present it. You know, a lot of times when people say, oh, you went away, was it some kind of retreat? It it was nothing like that. It was... um, a lot of fun, but it wasn't kind of this, you know, spiritual getaway, but it was something that was uh, very informative and enjoyed immensely. It was all about uh, displeasure and how the pursuit of enjoyment has actually 
made it so that we are unable to enjoy life because we are continually pursuing something to fulfill us. So I think there's a lot of important things that I learned through this time, and it's not like these are all new concepts, but there's a couple things that I I came away with that I want to talk about this morning. But um, before we do, I do want to pause, I do want to pray, and uh, see what happens. Okay. <laughs> Father, grateful for an opportunity to gather together with these people and those who are part of our community online and pray that the words that are shared and the, the thoughts that are exchanged will provoke us, Lord, in good ways. Help me to have a clarity in communication. Help our hearts to be open, to receive things that you by your spirit would minister to us. And Lord, we do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've entitled this talk, What We Don't Know. I I think we create more atheists with our ideas of certainty about God than we realize. When we start speaking for God and telling people why things happen or why God does things, I think it causes more issues and problems than we recognize. For example, why is my thing doing this? I turned it off. Um, When we tell people why there was Uh, you know, the earthquake that happened. Well, the earthquake happened because these people in this country, you know, are this way and, you know, God is judging these people or or this person uh, came down with uh, this disease because of this sin in their life or this country is impoverished because they have this faith system in place. And we start speaking for God in these certain ways. And I think people outside start saying, Really? You you think that you have this knowledge about God so succinct that you can tell me what is going on? And I think that that's a problem, and that causes problems with how we convey our understanding of God. And, and so by doing this, we fail to have a humility and recognition of how big God really is and how little we really know. And this isn't just about God. It's about us as well. I mean, there are, there are things I don't understand about myself, right? That's why sometimes we go to a counselor, to someone, a therapist, to say, what's going on with me? Why are these things showing up in my life? And they help us dig into some things that help us unveil maybe things we've been blind to. And that's with us. If I'm not aware of all the things happening in my life, how much less am I going to be aware of all the things happening in someone else's life, let alone God? And so I think a little humility can go a long way when it comes to our understanding about God, about ourselves, and about each other. And I think that is something that can cause better conversation than this idea of I know what God has in mind because I have a Bible and it gives me all the details I need to know. Again, I think there's a lack of humility in that posture. Now, Paul, in his letter 
to the Corinthians. His first letter in the Corinthians has this beautiful chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you want, you can turn there with me. It's a chapter that I think we're all familiar with. It's the chapter, it's called the love chapter because it expresses such a beautiful understanding of what love looks like and what love can look like. And so starting in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1, Paul writes, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now what led up to this beautiful description of love? In the previous chapter, Paul is talking about unity. He is talking about how different people have various gifts, or gifted in certain ways, but all these various gifts work together so that they can work and function to make one body that is the body of Christ. Now, when we talk about different gifts and things like that, there is a lot of ideas of what that means. And and we have to understand, again, that Paul is writing a letter to these people in this community And they have an understanding about these words that we do not being so far removed. And and whenever you read someone else's mail or eavesdrop on someone else's conversation, you have to have an understanding that there is information there that you do not have. You know, I, I could tell everyone here, hey, you guys, if you ever do a function at a park, make sure the sprinklers are turned off. Gil laughs because Gil knows what I'm talking about because there was an event we did where the sprinklers were not turned off and the sound man let us know that that was a problem when the sprinklers went off. You see, the context of that event shapes the understanding of what happened. And the same thing is true in all these letters that we have. When Paul is writing, what is he talking about? Were the sprinklers on during the event? What is going on that they would hear these words and it would trigger and immediately have some cognizant recognition and connection to them that we are 
again, remove from. That's again requiring us to have humility, but we can get a gist of the fact, and I don't think it's a stretch to assume that he is talking about how this diverse unity of people is supposed to work and what that picture of love looks like. I appreciate so much at the end of chapter 13 when he says, now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am known. We don't get the clear picture. We only get an idea of what love really looks like as it is connecting different people with different abilities to work together. And in this is something that is mysterious. I love one translation says, we see through a glass darkly. There is so much we don't know. But that doesn't stop love from working towards each other. Love's not based on knowledge. It's not based on us having the right information. That's what that whole chapter talks about. I can have all this wisdom. I can be able to say all these things. I can do all these things, but it's not about the knowledge. And maybe what we sense but don't really know about the other is our ability to encounter them more fully. I think about the people who I'm closest to, my wife, my kids, my grandkids. And and I know them more than I know most people. I mean, I I spent, you know, 38 years with this woman. So you would think I would know her, but I still get it wrong. I still make mistakes. I still fail to understand. And it's not just because I'm so dense, not just because, but it's also because she's changing. It's also because I'm changing. My kids have changed from who they were and who we raised them up to be and the things they started to develop passion for and develop in their own personalities. My grandkids, I have no idea who they are. I just enjoy them. But it's almost in that not knowing, just encountering that I'm able to find enjoyment and love is able to grow. And maybe love is a matter of trusting this unknown and still leaning into it. The unknown in the other. Knowing is often about controlling. I know something, I can manipulate it, I can make sure everything works in a smooth fashion. We were talking about our, our trips. Gil and Mary went to Europe and I went to Ireland. And we were talking about how, you know, there's all these variables, you know, how people get COVID and now the whole trip is out of whack. We had to get a COVID test to come back into the US 24 hours before our flight. And so we had to make sure we got back into town to get the test. And then we found out that in our group, this little circus that I was a part of, where there's about 50 people in a small room that was like a sweat box. It was very hot, even though it was cool outside. They didn't have air conditioning. That's a a pet peeve I have about Ireland right now. But five of the people tested positive. 
and let us know in a group chat that we were in that, hey, I tested positive just to let you guys know. And so before we get our test, we already know that five people in the small room had tested positive. And so we're just like, okay, it's time to get our test. And then we don't know what the result is going to be. We'd like to control these things, but we can't. And of course, we were able to get on the flight. We tested negative, thankfully. And I don't understand how all this, those things work. But the lack of control is just something we have to embrace in so many areas of our life. But wanting to control things sometimes stifles what love really is. This wanting to be able to know, this wanting to be able to control. But you know what also wants more information? Condemnation. I'm able to judge with more information. Know what else? Guilt. I'm able to really guilt myself the more I find out, oh, I should have said that. If I wouldn't have said that to her, she wouldn't have been mad at me. If I would have brought those things there, if I would have cleaned up after that, if I wouldn't have taken that job, if I, we can know ourselves to guilt, we can know ourselves to condemnation. This knowledge, keeping on wanting control can be used in such harmful ways to us to justify our hatred or beat ourselves up. It's just a different type of control. And love doesn't work by control. It's in the inability to control. It's in the unknown of the other that love has this room to grow. And it's a fascinating thing. And it's a mysterious thing. You know, pushing into this further, I think Jesus forces us into this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus says, you have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What do we do with this? to love our neighbor as we love ourselves when we don't really know our neighbor and we know even less our enemy because it's the unknown in the other that we fear. It's the unknown that we try to name so that we can feel more at ease. But it is also the unknown in the other that we can most easily relate to, have empathy for, and that we need to embrace. See, it's not, I know you, I've got you all, I know all about you, I know your characteristics, I know your personality, now I love you. It's the opposite. The enemy is the person I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't know why you do the things you do. I don't know or understand your religion. I don't understand your culture and what you've been brought up in, your family background. I don't know any of those things. And they're a little terrifying. But that's what I have to lean into. Is that unknown? It's the difference that we find in unity And it is in the unknown that we begin to understand. It's those differences 
that allow us to become one. It is the differences that show love what it really is to be. During the event I was at, there was a professor of philosophy at Loyola, Maryland, Richard Boothby, and he spoke at a couple of the events. Uh, He has two books coming out. One is a memoir of his journey after his 23-year-old son killed himself and how he made it through that period of time. And, And it's a compilation of, you know, years of just dealing with this. And part of that journey was his need to know what happened. Why did he take his life? What was going on within him that caused this to happen? And of course, that would never be known. That, that could never be understood and bring a satisfaction. And even if it was known, it wouldn't comfort what he lost, right? The knowledge wasn't going to bring about what he needed for healing. And what happened is as he started pressing into this, he was trying to find comfort and certainty, but he couldn't. And he came to understand that knowledge was not the right category for what he needed and that he had to embrace what he did not know, but somehow could still relate to it because the unknown is still something a part of each of us. And it forced him to a place where he started to appreciate the things in his son that he didn't know. Like, why did he collect rocks and put them in his room, these beautiful little rocks? What was it about rocks that fascinated him so that even at 23 years of age, he had a rock collection? See, to him, that was a mystery that created beauty and more love for his son who was now gone? Or why was he fascinated with clouds? And he'd always talk about how beautiful the clouds and he'd always go out and look at the clouds and start commenting about what was it about these things or or his enthusiasm for things. He had this way of just being so excited and being electric in a room with people. What were those things? How did those things show up in his life? They're a mystery to him. And the things that he didn't understand became ways that he actually began to love his son more, even though he was gone. And I wonder if we are so busy trying to figure things out that we lose the mystery in the unknown of each other. Why does my wife like dusk so much? She always says, this is the best time of day. And I'm like, huh? Or the moon. What what are the things? Why does my grandson have to line up the cars in such a perfect order just to wipe them out. It's a mystery, but I love it. I don't understand it, but it compels me to want to know more. And you see, that's what the unknown does is it compels us. It pulls us in. 
unlike what maybe we've heard or what we've seen in the movies, you know, you, you, you hear someone, I feel like I've known you all my life. Or you, they really get me. They really understand me, right? For us, oh, that's so romantic. But really, it's, if you think about it, it it's shallow. If I don't even get myself and I'm constantly evolving in thoughts, emotions, and direction, how can someone really know me? Maybe love is deepest in what we don't know, but what we can sense and identify with it in some way. Love our neighbor as we love ourselves, to embrace what we don't understand and what might even scare us a little bit is where Jesus says love is to show up and that's what's going to mark us as his children. And I think this understanding of mystery and the unknown is something important to lean into. And I'm not the only one who thinks that. Brene Brown also thinks that, so there. We're going to show a little video with Brene Brown. How is that for a transition? Um, Just talking about mystery a little bit. My faith, has, my, faith, my faith is probably the organizing principle in my life. Um, as an academic, the first time it came up was with the gifts of imperfection. I was studying wholeheartedness. And one of the things that men and women had in common, the wholehearted population that I was working with, was spirituality. Um, then it came up again in Rising Strong. Um, and I didn't know what to do with that because it wasn't religion. Um, and it wasn't dogma, but it was something deeper than that. And it was this belief that we are inextricably connected to each other by something bigger than us. Um, I happened again to call that God. It's not just data. No, it's, and that rising strong as a spiritual practice is really about grace about what it is that you can lean into that you can't see. And leaning into stuff that you can't see, not easy. What is it that you can lean into that you can't see that lets you know that you will come out of the other side of this okay? Um, And so the men and women in the research who taught me the most, leaned fully into something they couldn't see. And I call that spirituality. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, do you, how do you measure in the academic world like hope and love and peace? We can measure a lot of stuff and we can understand and know a lot of stuff. Um, and that's important and I'm a believer in that. Um, but there are a lot of things that are really important that we can't measure. And I think people understand that. And that tension between what's qualitative and what's quantitative, what's measurable and not measurable, what's knowing and what's mystery, um, living in that tension is what I think is beautiful about life. It's not an either or to me. And it is a dance. I mean, and sometimes dances are very choreographic 
you know, choreographed steps and to know them is beautiful, but sometimes you just shut your eyes and twirl. I love that. Sometimes you just shut your eyes and twirl. What do you need to lean into that feels uncomfortable? What is it that you don't know that you are trying to push away that is keeping you from the relationships and the things that are good and healthy and and beneficial for you? We hold out the hope that we don't know, yet still it might be good. Now, when we say it's good, it doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's not painful. It doesn't mean that it's not without its hardship. But there's something still good. Richard, as he was talking, he, he would mentioned the fact that it was always difficult for him to say that he is thankful for what he has learned because of the death of his son. It just seems so contrary. He would have given anything for this event not to happen, but there are so many things that have happened because of this event that he is grateful for. And I think that's the tension. I don't understand this. I don't understand why, but I can lean into this and I can learn, grow, become more. I have found for myself that when God seems distant or maybe silent, it's usually because I'm imagining God to be something. And usually that means he's less than what God really is, right? There usually is this expectation of God should do or has to do, or this is how I see it should be done. There's this idea of control. When I'm disillusioned, it means that I had an illusion to begin with. And usually I'm holding on to that illusion, And it's wrong. I wonder if we can begin to embrace the unknown in God and in one another, in ourselves. And maybe this is where faith is born. Maybe this is where love is developed a love that Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my students because you love one another in all your diversity, with all your different giftings, with all your peculiarities. Because together, it makes something beautiful. You know, it's always fun going to other countries and experiencing other cultures, experiencing the food, seeing the scenery, the landscape. I mean, Ireland, there's a reason they call it the emerald country, right? Because everything is just green and there isn't a sprinkler anywhere to be found. They don't use sprinklers and everything is green. 
That's a mystery to me. (laughs) But experiencing these things, seeing that there is so much more than what the world is I am used to. That's not true just for cultures and countries. That's true for life in general. That's true for my understanding with people here, with people I encounter at work, my people and my family. It's true with my understanding of God. And the, mean, the minute we, we put knowledge in the place of, of God, and it has a place. I'm not saying there is not knowledge, but the minute that that becomes the, the pinnacle of our understanding, we have settled for so much less. Because it's in the unknown that we'll find the, the depths of love and a deeper recognition of God. Let's pray. Lord, this is such a paradox to know you in the unknown, to let silence speak to find unity in diversity. But it makes so much sense. And I desire for us as a community and as people to be able to embrace the unknown in one another as well as the unknown in you. And to find the beauty in that and to look to discover more as it's constantly changing, constantly evolving. Father, for those who are in places of difficulty and struggle, as many are right now, some silently and some overtly, Lord, are are going through hardship are having a hard time getting back to whatever normal looked like for them, or having a difficulty connecting again and are struggling, Lord, for those who are in these haunting hallways, Lord, between rooms, it seems. May they find beauty in the mystery. May they not look only for answers, but might they look for the beauty in the unknown and in some way find you present there. Lord, help us maneuver through this time of our life in a way that looks like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, no one's going to lead us in a last song, so... (laughs) May you find beauty in the unknown. May you embrace the unknown in others. May you not let fear push you away from what God wants to bring together. God bless you guys. Good to be back. Take care. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com 
as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.